Welcome to the Utah Jazz podcast that thought it was kind of peaking uh, with Hema Hamuli as its guest, but then said, you know what, we're going to throw caution into the wind. We're going to hit that upgrade on the guest button. And Doug, we're literally looking at Sarah Todd from the Deseret News right now. And it's, it's only downhill from here. We have made it to the top. Sarah, what's up? Welcome to the peak of your lives. No. <laughs> We've made I'm it. So I mean, it's only disappointment from here. At least I'm 10 years closer to death than Doug is. But Doug, I don't know. You got nowhere to go from this. Um, drop out of grad school. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think but, we're just, Sarah's just a third host on the podcast now. It's just a continued greatness. Yeah, she didn't realize that the click-through on the Zoom said she's contractually bound to appear on our podcast all the time now. But I warned no. you before we started that it really is going to be downhill from this moment. <laughs> so I'm sorry for everything that happens. Uh, no, we're we're so stoked. We are big fans, Sarah. Um, and I think first off, we just wanted to do a little introduction. So... You work at the Deseret News. You cover the Utah Jazz. Am I right that you're the one reporter that's actually traveling with the team right now, or is that changed? I'm not traveling anymore. That changed. Okay. Yeah, so not traveling yet. Just hoping and wishing that someday I get an injection in my arm, and then maybe life will be normal again. Uh, what is the state of this in Utah? Are you, is it like like are you? Is there an age restriction still? I don't even know. It feels like you guys are getting a lot out here in California, like you got to be over 65. Uh, my wife works in the medical industry. And so she has actually just been cleared, but hasn't gotten it yet. But are you like, yeah, actually, I mean, my parent, my dad and my stepmom uh, got their second dose today. They live in California, but they're both 82. So oh. well, that, congrats to them. Yeah. Very happy yeah, for them. Awesome. That was exciting. And to you. Um, I have not heard that I'm anywhere close to getting a vaccine. So no idea. <laughs> All right. I just wondered if Ryan Smith like slipped it to you on the. I wish I had like a Qualtrics vaccine under the table connection. I do not. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, cool. So maybe that's something you'll get from the podcast. We we've got Qualtrics people on the inside. I was just going to say, if you do get it now, now, like by blood oath as a guest on this podcast, you need to hook us up too. Um, But (laughs) uh, anyway, blood oaths. (laughs) Uh, listen, this is a fan. <laughs> Doug and I are brothers is a family affair and uh, blood oaths sort of the prerequisite. No. Nah. Um, so you've been, you've been now covering the team for, um, this is the second season, right? Could you give us, I, I was curious. Um, well, obviously I've like seen where, the teams you covered before, but I want to go even further back than this. What's your basketball history? Like, were you super into basketball from, birth was like basketball family like how did you get how did you become a fan and how did you end up you know getting into covering the NBA my first exposure to basketball was my brother who is almost 11 years older than me um when I was about six uh he gave me a Michael Jordan poster as a kid with like no no reason no context he was just like you know oh, I don't know what to give my six-year-old sister for her birthday. Like, here's a poster that I picked up like at a gas station, probably like, and <laughs> I put that above my Barbie house in my bedroom. And then I was just like obsessed. I was like, this guy is flying and it's a sport and I want to be a part of this. But I lived in such a small town in central California that I was at a K a K- through eight school. There was no high school in the town that I lived in because it was too small. And there was no sports teams at all because it was just so small. It was, I mean, right next to a reservation and like the biggest thing that we had in town was a gas station. And so it wasn't until we moved to Northern California and in seventh grade that I started playing basketball. And um, I don't, I don't mean to brag except for I absolutely do mean to brag, but I was just like messing around after school, like shooting hoops. And I was at the gym where the basketball team was going to practice. And the coach came in and was setting up and he's like, why aren't you on the team? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, you're on the team now. And I was like, okay. (laughs) 
Um, Dude, that's like a sports movie. Yeah. <laughs> it moves in from the small town to the to the big city, and then they just see your raw potential. Um, your funny story is that almost the exact same thing happened when Doug was six, and I was ten years older than him. I gave him a Michael Jordan poster, put it on top of a dartboard above his Barbie house, and said. <laughs> take aim at this thing you said kill um, this guy I said, kill this dude. <laughs> <laughs> we tried voodoo things we had a voodoo doll none of it worked um none of it worked until doug worked at a pizza pizza place in park city and and hawked a loogie on his pizza just kidding just kidding everyone um no that's really cool so so where were you was this oakland where were where were you at that time in, in oh. california uh, I'm from Paradise, California, which oh, cool. uh, doesn't exist anymore because it burned down. Um, so <laughs> that's that's that. Did you have family that was still there oh, and yeah. fires and stuff? Oh, oh yeah. my! Every, oh, everybody, everybody that I know, like all my friends back home. I mean, it's everyone. Like, will ask, like, "Oh my God, did your family lose everything?" And it's like, yeah, everyone I know did. Like, there, there's nothing uh, there anymore. So, but I always tell people, like there were almost a hundred people that died trying to get out and my family got out. And so I don't care that houses and things were burned. So that doesn't matter. Um, I mean, that is, I mean, we've, we've been here in the Bay area for about five years and it, it's fire season now. Yeah. It's just every year. And this year in particular, when, you know, it's pandemic, it's all this other crap going on. And then all of a sudden the sky is just like orange for yeah. a week. Um, it was, super scary i'm well so happy that your family got out <laughs> so you. devastated that that happened with their housing i mean have, have they do they still live there did they move or what? my dad and my stepmom relocated um sort of near sacramento and okay. my mom my brother his wife um rebuilt a house and so they're they're still in paradise now in a new house so wow that's exciting for them well, yeah. good. Yeah, that's awesome for them. So you grew up there um, playing basketball. Yeah, How I played, did bas that? I played so basketball you through high school. And, and then I stopped for a little bit when I was in college because I went to San Diego State. And uh, I was studying English. And then I dropped out of San Diego State to move to Norway. Um, oh. Oh. And... I played basketball there while I finished my first undergrad in literature. And then when I moved back to the States, I was like, oh, I have a degree in reading books. That's useless. So I need to like do something with my life. And the answer was, I only want to watch basketball if I can. I topped out at 5'10 and I'm slow. So nothing's happening for me playing wise, but if I can just watch it and write about it. And so I just made that happen. So I went to journalism school at San Francisco State. And then I started covering the Warriors at the end of my first year of journalism school. That is wow, that's so awesome. cool. It's, it's like at first you were a Disney sports movie making it happen in the big city in seventh grade. And then you were like a Richard Linklater movie where you're like in Norway playing and studying English literature or something. For some reason, it feels like you would you would direct that. Um, what I was the don't watch movies, so that <laughs> did not land with me. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. It probably only landed with like two people. With me, either. it totally went past Doug. Um, at least three, at least three people. Like you know, before midnight, after midnight, those movies like Ethan Hawke just walking around. All right, I I, I will only. <laughs> go like two minutes into basketball it, references it, it Mark. Um, yeah, this is like royce o'neill you you had your stay <laughs> overseas yeah, yeah, and you I came back and crushed it yeah i was thought you were gonna say i, I was like me being george niang trying to do a step back uh, jumper or something like i gotta stay to my role um well what is the norwegian basketball scene like though was that pretty i mean it's was it uh horrible competitive? Um, no i was like technically this is going to sound really bad. Technically, I was playing like club basketball because they don't have collegiate basketball. Hmm. So like at the most basic technical level, it was pro basketball, but I was the best player on the team. And that both says something about me, but says way more about who else they had on the team. It was not good at all i mean that's hella cool i think i'm that's just my, 
my takeaway is that you were a professional basketball player in Europe and that you were the MVP. I mean, I think no, like there's not even a website for them because it's that bad. And, um, yeah, like every, there were girls on that team that would cross country ski to our tournaments because (laughs) they were much more interested in that than they were like, so they'd like get to the tournament where we'd be playing like three games in a day. And they'd be like, after cross country skiing for like 16 miles. And I'm like, you guys, you need to have some energy for this. And they were like, we don't care about this. We're, we're horrible at this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. That might be the dream of every young jazz fan though. I think that sounds awesome. Ski to a game. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly more your dream. I, I would try to downhill ski to it. Doug. Oh, well, like I just meant snowshoeing to your basketball nor- game. That's like your Norwegian game. basketball. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, all right, so what year did you start with the Warriors? Like, which season was this? Where, where'd you? Um, I think that it was 2012. Because I, I covered them for about three years through the 2015 championship before I moved to Philly. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you see? I don't know if this is the hard question or the softball question or the dumb question, but lots of jazz fans feeling themselves this year making comparisons to that Warriors team some I think a little premature to the ones with KD but like to that one obviously that's a championship team so it's still premature but what do you see like vibe wise um, comparison to this group and that group that had sort of in some ways grown up together internally a, a few of them and we're starting to click in 15 16. I mean I don't think that that's premature like Steve Kerr is the one that said that. See, he, yeah. he was the one, he was like, this team reminds me of like our first year, like really getting into it. And so it was like, you know, that 2014, 15 season, the thing that, I mean, obviously like the space and pace is very familiar when I think about those teams and similar, but I think the thing that I'm recognizing the most, and I've said that I've said it to a couple of people now is that, I remember watching that team and no one thought they were going to win a championship that year. Like that was not on anyone's radar because they hadn't done it. And so no one believed them. And I mean, they're like crushing teams playing at historic levels doing, I mean, Curry's doing crazy things. And meanwhile, like me and all the other reporters that were covering the team are like, this team is turnover prone they don't have enough defense to do it in the final. Like this isn't a contending team. Like wait till they get out of the first round before we start talking about anything. Mm-hmm. And then they went and won a championship and became a dynasty. And we all looked stupid for the way that we criticized them. And so what, as I'm watching this jazz team, I'm trying to remind myself on a daily basis, like don't pass over how good this team is right now, because they could win a championship and we will have spent the entire season not enjoying it thinking they can't do it. And so that's advice for fans. And then also for myself at a reporting level, is just like recognize how good it is right now. Doug, do you need a, do you need a drink? Do you need a smoke? Do you need to take a breath? <laughs> I, to, when she I said, don't even know what to say after said, that. Was, I don't think it's premature. My heart was beating a little bit faster. And then the rest of it was like flying at me in multidimensional colors. When I, when I stopped talking, <laughs> your face. <laughs> Can we, I mean, there was maybe so we just much gravity in that. And, that we, and we just, we just, play that on loop um for the podcast for like 45 minutes and then we keep going i think it would be our, our most listened to one um but do you know what though i mean i like from a less like sophisticated perspective i've been trying to tell myself the same thing which is just like dude like what I, why am i worrying about anything other than the fact that we've just won 19 out of 20 games and we're killing everybody and like this is this is fun like what can we, and I don't know, that's been us, Doug. I mean, we, there's people out there like McCade Pearson who'd need to come and like rain on our fun parade and tell us mm-hmm. why we need to acquire Victor Oladipo or something. And I'm just like, how about the fact that we we're winning all the time? Yeah. We've got a saying on the podcast that 2021 is fun. Um, we're trying to convince ourselves of this. And, as we say and I think we use the podcast as kind of like 
therapy to our own past like jazz trauma so i don't know that that was that felt nice to hear for sure <laughs> but i mean that is i my memory is the same with that warriors team i mean obviously like charles barkley was on tnt i mean it's kind of funny that tnt was had the same bit like back then but it was like everybody's like well yeah but the three-point shooting team can't win and you know they had lost a couple of tough ones in the playoffs the years before in the first and second round. Um, and then they just kind of won. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. they won. And then the next year they won 73 games. But And like, I mean, there's so much talk about like all of the top end talent. And it's like, do not forget that Steph Curry, two, three years before that, like everyone was like, oh yeah, that's the guy that used to back up Monta Ellis. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like. How nuts is that? <laughs> It's not like everyone, and like they won with Harrison Barnes, and like uh, most Spates was a part of the Warriors dynasty. Like let's Dude. let's not forget that you know it doesn't have to be you know like LeBron and AD, Kawhi and PG, like all of these like MVP caliber players together on a team to do it. Like you can win with Harrison Barnes. I always felt bad for Harrison Barnes after the <laughs> after the seventy three and nine season. It's very funny because. Um, I don't think that it's stuck. I'm not sure because I, I don't follow King's coverage that much. Um, if, is that where he is still? Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Um, but his nickname when he was with the Warriors was the Black Falcon. That, <laughs> like, is that, is that That's like, awesome. a, is that like a Marvel comic reference? I have no idea. This, I, I only know it. this because my son has gotten way into the comic, but the, that's funny. And um, so, like looking back on it, it's like, wait, he's the guy that got like the coolest Black Falcon. Yeah, yeah, how do you trade Black Falcon? Was that it a playoff? Of, yeah, was it a playoff the, of you've Kobe? You've got the Flash Brothers, and then you've got the Black Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, somebody random on the Jazz should have a sweet nickname like that, the Black Falcon. Uh, we'll have to workshop that. But I mean, my, so my first year living here was the following season the 73 win season and i went to a game when the jazz came to town and people loved most baits man oh, i love most baits. he was like I, I was like there hard to not cheer for him too just because like the one thing i that makes me sad about the warriors not to turn this into a warriors podcast moving from oakland to san francisco is that like as much as i wanted those teams to lose that was like a real fan base for a for a big market team and it was a fun place to go to a game, even like me with like my John Stockton Jersey or something. I can't remember. I'm probably wearing a Darren Williams t-shirt or something, but people will give me crap about it, but it was also like still nice. And like, they were super into it. And as much as like the, the fan base was getting gentrified or whatever, there was still so many like longtime hardcore fans anywhere in the building. Yeah. I, I loved, I loved that building. Um, it, there was, I mean, there were like ushers and security guards that had worked there for literal decades and like they could have gotten jobs elsewhere but they were like i'm not leaving this building and they're i mean they went through some real shit years like yeah and people stuck with them and i mean i love oakland a lot it's one of my favorite places in the world and so i have a lot of love for the people who are warriors fans and uh i feel I feel bad for them that the team left. Yeah, for sure. I just like, I don't even know. I mean, cause it feels like the comparison would be like, what if there was no team in Denver and then the jazz were yeah. like, we're going to go to Colorado instead. Totally. I was going to say if they like moved yeah. us to Vegas or something and like yeah. right after we finally won a championship. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing about that Warriors team in comparison is like, what a cursed franchise. Like, you know, Bill Simmons, love him or not, like wrote that long article about like how to destroy a franchise that was like years of the Warriors making mistakes. So when people talk, I don't know. I mean, certainly that that's a bigger market, but we can do it. We can win, Doug. Um, <laughs> oh, don't yeah. be so nervous about that's, it. That's not out of the realm of possibility because <laughs> the Warriors were no one ever listed them in a team that was like, oh, they might make the playoffs this year or like no one cared. They weren't even like a a contending thought any year that there was coverage, they weren't included in anything that mattered at all. And then they won a championship and then they did it two more times. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. Well, okay. So I want to talk about 
your time in Philly a little bit too, but I feel like this is sort of segued into what I wanted the meat of this to be. So Sarah, you wrote this really great article um, for the Deseret News before the season started. And it was like 10 things, 10 burning questions about the jazz for the season. Um, I'll, I'll tweet out the actual article, but you have 10 questions and I kind of want to talk through those and take an inventory of where the jazz are in the season. And we've kind of hit on some of them already, but the first two, which I think were the biggest questions coming into the season and still might be the biggest questions for like what the ceiling of the team is, were about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And the first one was, can Donovan raise his game to another level? And the second one was in order to, to elevate the jazz to another level, can Rudy Gobert do more? Um, I mean, kind of like you were saying, like people didn't, count Steph Curry and certainly not Clay Thompson or Draymond Green as like top end superstar talent until they actually did it. Um, what do you think on those two questions in this season so far? Do you think Donovan, obviously in the bubble, he was nuts. And in the first round of the playoffs, that was historic level performance. But do you think this season versus last, he's raised his game? And, and what do you think about Rudy on the kind of the same question? I think that with Donovan, that he's raised his game in a way that I didn't actually expect him to raise it, where I was kind of thinking probably like along the lines that like our dear friend Shaquille O'Neal was talking about. We call like, him Kazam here, but it's fine. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the idea that like do more, like score more, be more explosive, that's kind of like where my head was at. And that was... I mean, I rightfully, I will say that was wrong. Um, I think a lot of us thought that like yeah. him, him raising his level is not 24 points a game, 28 points a game or something like that. Right. You know? totally. And instead there's been like, he's calmer and he, the passing is like very weirdly a lot better in, yeah. a, in yeah. like a way where he's making passes that like he shouldn't have been able to make. And he very admittedly has said like, last year, I don't make that pass. I don't do it. And, right. you know, this year I'm making that pass. And I think that he, and also I think I've mentioned this before. It might be in that article or another one. I think that we can guarantee that he, you hear the cliche of like guys wanting to focus on the small details. But I think that that eight second violation in the playoffs probably hurt him and burned him so bad that like that's something that'll really kick you into gear where you're like I will not make these mistakes again and I think that that's kind of the level of focus and just like maturity within the co like construct of a single game I think that's where we've seen him take it to another level and it's totally working I like that you pulled up the eight second violation even yesterday in the game. This is how much fandom scars you. Even yesterday, he was dribbling it down and kind of slow. And I started to look at the rep, like, is he counting? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, Donovan, a little faster. But no, I think that's, I think that's so true. I, I feel like his overall chemistry is just really good with the Jazz right now. And I was actually listening to the ESPN 30 for 30 on March 11th um, before this that, that you were in. Um, and do you? <laughs> oh, that's, um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure you're in it. Is that? Yeah. But, uh, one time of like 5.30 with just my voice. No big deal. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> do you feel like that whole, everything from that point on to the awkwardness and social media and everything between him and Rudy, do you think that was all necessary for this awesome run that we're seeing right now? I don't know if it was necessary. Cause honestly, I, th I really truly think that all of that was just really overblown. I yeah. like, I mean, who among us hasn't had like uncomfortable weird tension or like quibbles or fights with some of the people that we love the most in our lives and then like at some point you're like what are we doing this is dumb all right fight over you know and then you just right. go back to normal and these are adults that we're talking about like i mean i know that like in the scheme of the nba like donovan is a young guy but he he's adult enough to realize that those things are not important compared to his long-term goals 
I think probably what affected them more was maybe more necessary is actually what they went through in the bubble, which yeah. uh, a lot of, you know, like the, their response to the Jacob Blake shooting and being a part of the strike when the teams stopped playing during the playoffs so that they could mm -hmm. try to like make real actionable changes. I think that that will put any quibble you have in your life into perspective. And, yeah. you know, they realize the things that we want to do as human, like we want to do good things and make good changes. And as a team, we want to win. And so whatever happened before that, I don't think mattered. Yeah. That's so, I mean, for, for me, I, like the reason why I was optimistic, even though probably like, I don't know, end of March, I was probably as jazz depressed as I've ever been, but also like everything about the world was depressing at the time, but like, they're both mature seeming dudes and you're around them more than we are, but it's just like Donovan, when has he ever not seemed like older than he is and had like, has such a good perspective and Rudy is a super introspective guy too. And like, anytime I've heard like a long in-depth interview with him, he's really self-reflective. He seems self-aware. And when he started talking about this and talked about how he realized, Hey, how, how some of the stuff he was doing probably was annoying. And I don't know, that all made me optimistic that it was a relationship that could be solved. And I remember, tell me if I'm misremembering on this, but I like I, in my mind, like you and Tony Jones were like the two people that I thought of who are always like kind of steadily being like, you know, most likely these guys are both going to sign a long term deal. Is that is that a fair memory? And like in the offseason, did you fully expect both these guys to come back and to come back on max extensions or, you know, whatever? Yeah, max, I mean, around there. I completely understand like you see the Knicks get Johnny Bryant and Walt Perrin and yeah right tensions coming not up good. like not if, good. I, if I was a fan I'd be like this is foreboding and he's leaving me <laughs> yeah. um, and we love Johnny Bryant and we were super yeah. sad and, and we love Walt Perrin yeah. yeah well and Donovan loves Johnny Bryant I was just talking to Donovan about Johnny a couple of days ago and he was like Johnny is my brother he is my family and so when your brother goes to New York <laughs> It's hard not to think that you might fall and like his, I mean, that's home also. So yeah. it, it was, seeing all those things happened, I understood the trepidation that the fan base had, but I, I think that especially after the playoffs, I could tell that Donovan was more resolute than ever that like he wanted to make this work and it never really crossed my mind that he was going to leave the jazz. I didn't know like what that was going to look like, if it was going to be an extension, you know, this off season, or if they're going to wait until next season, like how it was going to work out, if it was going to get kind of ugly before it got ironed out. I didn't know, but I never assumed that Rudy was leaving at all. And I, after the playoffs, I was pretty certain that Donovan was going to stick around. On a scale from zero to Shaq's commentary about Donovan Mitchell. How stupid was jazz fan reaction about Donovan's player option? Cause to me, it was like really dumb um, <laughs> and frustrating because it was like a thing where I was like, I'm so stoked. My, like one of the, my favorite players who's ever played for this team and who, someone who could end up being the best player to ever play for this team, maybe even just signed a max extension and everybody's like, but wait, there's a player option. This is actually an FU to the franchise. And I was like, what? the hell are you talking about um i <laughs> i don't uh my reaction to that is like whatever you know what if you don't like the player option then cry about it in five years i don't know what you're doing talking about it right now yeah. like yeah. it's not a big deal um and the biggest thing that i saw was like a lot of people being like oh, the jazz front office is so stupid. How incompetent do you have to be to give a play? They didn't even try. It's like, really? Any one of you people, I guarantee any one of the people that are saying those kinds of things, walk into a room with Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay, present your argument to them, and they're going to tell you straight up to get the F out. 
<laughs> and you're going to be so embarrassed because you're going to look so small and so stupid. And so it's like insane to me that people would be like, the Jazz front office got fleeced. And it's like, <laughs> fleeced by a player option by keeping Donovan Mitchell around for five years? <laughs> going to have him until he's 29. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, I just remembered you interacting with some people on Twitter and I felt like you were saying the things that I wanted to be saying. So I needed that reaction out of you. I just, the whole thing was so, so dumb. I mean, to me, like, what's the negotiation? Hey, Donovan, you're like the most marketable superstar that the jazz have ever had. Um, and he's like, Hey, will you give me this? It's like, wait, can I give you more? Like, what can I give you under the table? Like, what can we arrange? Also, also <laughs> Donovan's not a part of that negotiation. That's not happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. His and agent- Jason Tatum got it. The market yeah. changes. That, that was the argument that I thought was dumb too. It's like, nobody's ever done it before. Well, well they did it this year. Um, exactly. Go, go back and look at what Tim Hardaway Jr. got paid when the cap spiked and then come back and tell me who got fleeced. Yeah. yeah. The Mavericks or the Knicks or whoever the paid Knicks. him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so what about on Rudy actually real quick. So I want to compare it's fresh in my mind. You, your last job before this was with the 76ers. Um, we just watched the jazz kill him last night. Um, in spite of Ben Simmons, who's annoying as hell, going off. Um, what, how, what is it like? Compare Rudy and Donovan from your observation in a professional working relationship and off court to Ben Simmons and really anybody, because even though you said on Twitter yesterday that he has friends, I don't believe it. Um, but like with Joel Embiid, like are those guys, are those guys buddies? Are they like going to a movie after the game? Like what's what those are two oh, superstars that seem like not. Right. That's actually actually a pretty good comparison because they're not, I don't think those guys are buddies. And also that, that was always weird to me in Philly because people would be like, Oh, Ben and Joel hate each other. Like this, the team is going to fail. And it's like, you'd be hard pressed to find too many teams that have won championships where everyone likes each other. Like there's always someone that hates a teammate and uh, on the jazz, like it's probably not somebody that hates anybody, but like, I don't think like Don and Rudy are like, you know, hanging out. I don't know, giving Valentine's to each other. Like, (laughs) I don't think that's the situation. I I bet Mike Conley gave them all a Valentine though. Probably. Mike Hunley would give everyone a Valentine. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Clarkson gave everyone a Valentine that was like made out of street art and was so cool. He's so cool. We this love him. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm like unabashed about how I stand for Jordan Clark. I just, there's something about a player who from the, from the very beginning of his career had the most unearned confidence and then and then grew into it <laughs> like and he still has the most confidence of any nba player i've ever seen i've never seen someone so certain of themselves in the face of like a 68 defender who has his hands up on the three point line and jordan clarkson's like that's a good shot <laughs> yeah Dude, but it's like the that among anything else is and sorry dog i didn't mean cut, but like no, is the single biggest trait that they need like they need a bench scoring yeah but this Jazz team just in the last few years, sometimes you're like, hey, like, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I yelled at my screen, Rodney, shoot it, you know, like yeah. Rodney Hood or like even Royce before, like some others. It's like, you guys are good at basketball. Like you should believe that you're good at basketball. And Jordan's just like, and when when we traded for him, I don't know how you felt about him before he came here, but I, I just had memories of him in the finals for, with Cleveland just throwing up crazy shots and them not going in. And I, I was like, Doug, how, Doug called me. It was, I was driving around Salt Lake. I thought he was punking me. I was like, you could have said Mario Hazonia and I would have felt the same. And I feel like such an idiot for that because he's like my most, like he's the most likable player we've ever had. I mean, yeah. he's awesome. <laughs> he's so good. And I mean, when he first got traded, my, my recollection would be was, well, man, the bench needs it because they need someone that'll just go get a bucket and he will do it. Um, I didn't realize how much he had sort of transformed his game uh, out of the mid range. And then when he continued to take that out of his game after he got here, I was like, 
this guy's actually like really good and he's really fun to watch and he's like yeah. a really nice guy he's very fun to cover so well he seemed like somebody when the team chemistry was a little shaky that at least from the outside was kind of cool with everybody yeah. i mean you just like see pictures or clips or whatever and he's talking to rudy he's shotgunning a beer with like royce o'neill sitting next to him in the tub at the bubble i don't know he's yeah I don't know. he just seems really fun like i want him to come work on my little legal team where i am like i just want him like hang out with jordan clarkson like all the time like yeah didn't he didn't he go to like swaggy p's birthday party over the summer or something like that i think so <laughs> aren't they like really good friends yeah i love the idea that him and swaggy p are friends is very joyful for me well, because yeah. wasn't there like the one day spoof of everyone saying, okay, Jazz need to sign Swaggy P now? Was or that was a thing? I, th- I oh. think so. Maybe it was just me on Twitter that day. I mean, it would be <laughs> fun for like a party. few Jordan Clarkson moments, but that actually would make me nervous. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we could, but that, that's fine. Yeah, he just seems champion Swaggy P. That's right. That's right. Uh, we'll, we've, we'll, we'll away give from respect that. where it's due. Um, Okay, wait, so, one, one slip-in question, though, with Jordan Clarkson here, because we've actually, even disregarding the 40-point game last night, we've talked about it in the past podcast. P- past podcasts. Do you think Jordan Clarkson has just maximized his role? Like, he I've, – I mean, I've heard him say in interviews, I am the Jazz six-man. Um, but do you think that there should be even more Jordan Clarkson minutes when you watch? Like, should he be finishing games? Should he be in – at the start, or is he just max max out? He is finishing games. That's true. <laughs> and I mean, he played twenty nine minutes last night. What more do you want from him? What do you say? Doug wants want, forty eight minutes of Jordan 40, Clarkson. Yeah, Doug wants Jordan at the five on occasion. Doug I want wants, I want twenty threes from Jordan. If Quinn, yeah. God forbid, if Quinn ever retires or something or takes up, like we want Jordan Clarkson, player coach like Bill Russell. Yeah. Like I just want him in the franchise for. Yeah, no, I mean, the question is, like, yeah, should he be a star? He seems like the most tailor-made bench player ever. And, I mean, I've made some Manu Ginobili jokes about him. But, honestly, it's isn't he just kind of the best version? Of, I mean, Manu Ginobili at his peak was awesome. Um, but isn't that kind of what Jordan's doing right now, too? I mean, I, I don't see a big difference. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like all of the players that you would consider for sixth man of the year, like they could all be starters on other teams. That's a good point. Yeah. And so it's not like anybody sees him as non-starting caliber of a player. Like no one thinks that of him, right. um, but the role that he has to like have that kind of injection of offense when the, when, you know, two or three of the starting players sit down and you've still got him out there. That's, I mean, it's exactly what really great teams need is they, you know, that starting caliber players go beyond the number five. Totally. I mean, I thought I thought you said this in one of the games recently that like it seemed like the Jazz were playing with a different level of confidence or something. And that's been like the most telling thing and why I've let my irrational hopes go a little wild is that this feels like that Warriors team or like the 2014 Spurs or the 2011 Mavs that just like doesn't get rattled when they're down early. Part of that is because Jordan Clarkson just comes in and then he's going to make four threes in a row. But it just feels like just give us enough time. And we're going to, like, over 48 minutes, we're just going to score more. And yeah. and the defense is going to click in, and we're going to kind of figure it out. And that's – I mean, are you getting that kind of vibe? Because that, that's, like, been, like, the last two weeks in particular, I'm just, like, never, like, really phased at the end of the first quarter regardless of the score. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's really natural, especially when you haven't had, like, a ton of success to – you know, you start getting down by 10, 12, 15, even 18 points to another team and to think like, well, great, that over, game's over, you know, but it's really a mark of a good team for them to get down like that and be like, okay, this is what they're doing. We can see it. This is how we're going to adapt to it. And then throughout the rest of the game, beat them. I don't, I don't think that it's a sign of a bad team to get down. Like, uh, no one's going to get all of the points you know so those are that's going to happen and even the greatest teams ever have you know been down 20 points in a game there there's not someone that has gone through a season and like they're the greatest teams you know you look the those teams that you mentioned the Warriors teams that Spurs Mavs 
you know, any of the great teams throughout history, they've been down by 25 before. The right. awesome thing is the Jazz just have so many options. It's just so fun to see what night, what night who's going to be, who's going to have the hot hand. Well, and to finish answering your question in uh, like 20 minutes of an answer. Um, we want to 20 more. Like yeah. <laughs> um, I think that the reason that they have so many options, I, Rudy, Rudy Gobert does not get enough credit for how this offense runs because you're not scrambling guys to close out on the perimeter unless there's a couple guys that are collapsing because they're scared that Rudy's going to roll to the basket. And so yeah. the fact that like you drive and kick, drive and kick, Rudy sets a screen, he rolls, the defense collapses, and then you start swinging the ball around and they can't catch up at that point. Then you get, you know, wide open corner threes or wide open threes because Jordan Clarkson or Donovan Mitchell have amazing step backs now. Like you're not going to get that stuff if the threat of Gobert isn't there. And so, and you know, him taking his game to a next level is like accepting the fact that like, this is how I affect the offense. It doesn't have to be that I'm going to get a ton of lobs or that plays are going to be run specifically for me. It's that I I am such a threat that I'll collapse the defense so that we can score more points. All right. You totally brought that around to exactly the perfect <laughs> spot because I, well, I did want to ask you, because to me, I, and Doug knows I'm like the biggest Rudy Gobert stan or truther or whatever that I know. I mean, I know the jazz fandom has, I mean, David Locke, whatever. There are a lot <laughs> of people who are big Rudy, but like to me, he's just always been my favorite player. Like since, since he's like, he surpassed the the statues for me a little while ago, just because I just like I, I love his flaws and that he's like succeeded in spite of them and that he has worked to be like, you know, the whole like he got spun around by Steph Curry a few years ago, like a lot of players that like ends their career or something or takes them a different way. And he was like, no, nah, I'm just going to get better at defending the perimeter. But I did think last year whatever it was going on with the team and, you know, of the last little bit, he, he had the virus probably for a few games, but he looked like just a, like a little less impactful. And maybe it's because there wasn't a Derek favors. Like he had such a huge burden on him defensively, but to me this year numbers or whatever, and maybe it's because he got his contract, maybe whatever, maybe it's because they resolve things, but he looks so focused on his role. Like you're saying. And to me, he just looks like he's moving faster. He's stronger. Um, you know, you still wish he would finish stronger a few times a game, but on the whole, I just think he's playing as well as I can remember him playing. And he's been pretty, pretty damn good um, in past years. I've been trying to come up with a theory about why he's not, he doesn't finish well, like why he has such bad touch. Um, and Andy Larson sits next to me at the games and Every once in a while, I'll lean over and I'll be like, I got it. I got it. This is it. This is the reason. And then I'll lean over the next game and be like, no, 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 no. I was 100% wrong on that. But here's the reason. (laughs) And so far, where I'm at today is that I think he doesn't use his whole hand at one time. I think he ever, like when he's shooting, rolling, finger roll, sometimes free throws also, that he either only uses like fingertips or he only ever uses like the his palm it's never like a a full hand motion or like a nice follow-through it's only ever one piece of his hand which you know would be clunky and it is that's my current that's my current dude i just can't even tell you how much that level of analysis is my in my wheelhouse right now because (laughs) the weird things about dude shots is like my favorite like nba subcategory of (laughs) (laughs) and like or they're like the length of their arms affecting something i i'm I'm like whether they jump off of one foot or two foot right like i I love all this stuff he bends his knees. I mean, he used to not bend his knees in a free throw, but he does now. And like when he gets up on his toes a little bit and he like follows through, he can hit a free throw. But especially when he's like up around the basket, it feels like there's just a part of a hand motion that's missing from what he's doing. And you can't blame it on sides of hands because Kawhi has the hugest hands in the world and he finishes great. And he's a big, strong guy. And like, he's pretty composed except for his hands. (laughs) 
All right, I'm going to be watching like it's the Zabruder film, like like frame by frame here going forward. But I mean, to me, like his hands are among the other things that are getting better. And, it, you know, you don't get better in a linear way. And he's had some ups and downs, but he's just like he's just screening like crazy. Defensively, he's been he's really playing, good. Yeah, he's playing defense. So last season, there was a drop off on the defensive end. And this year, he's like clearly defensive player of the year. And I think that's not just me saying it because I watch the jazz play all the time, but people around the league are saying it too. And he's just, he affects so much of the game and he impacts, I mean, he's the, you know, anchor on the defensive end, but he also, like I was saying earlier, he anchors the offense too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you convinced me to continue <laughs> loving him um, unconditionally. Um, so I think on, from your list, we kind of covered Rudy and Donovan. Well, we fully covered. We also, I think, kind of talked about, will the Jazz be able to adapt when the going gets tough? I mean, so far, that's the thing. Like, they've been getting down early, and they totally have. Um, Mike Conley, oh, his man. success from the playoffs, can it carry over? And I'm like, first of all, can you just like, like, do you like, what's going on with that hamstring? Like, do you know anything that we don't know? Or are they just being super cautious? Did you yeah. tweet it out that he's probable for tomorrow? Oh, I didn't see that. Questionable, Questionable. for tomorrow. But, like, I mean, in the hierarchy of, like, NBA injuries, it's, like, available. The, somebody explained this to me one time. I was working at an NBA office. Um, out is 0%. Questionable is 25%. Probable, 50 Available, they're playing. And so, nice. like... Questionable is like, eh, he might not play, but like, it's better than out. And I mean, I, I heard, you know, last week we heard that he was practicing with the team. Uh, he wasn't playing full of five on five. And so that right there was an indication to me that like, this isn't that bad. We don't have to worry about it. They, if they were worried about it, or if Mike was worried about it or the medical staff, they wouldn't let him like run up and down the court and like do anything in practice. They'd be telling him to rest it and just doing like, you know, strengthening exercises rather than actually getting work in. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Mike Conley, Mike, like league leading plus minus Mike Conley. <laughs> it's, Good it's, grief. He has been a yeah. plus minus God. Uh, like he, he is. Yeah. My only worry about it is that I want him to be in the all-star game so bad. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily want there to be an all-star game and it's a little silly they're doing it, but I, I want him to be an all-star. And that's the only thing that bums me out is if he ends up like missing enough that yeah, I know he doesn't get it. But to me, like he looks like your question in your article was, can his success from the playoff and late season carry over? And my answer to that is, no, it went way better. He looks like a, he yeah. was looking great then. He looks like a completely different player to me now, just in the way he moves, the confidence he's been, like sort of his like pick and roll chemistry with Rudy and like slowing that down, but just every, everything he, he's looked better than I remember him looking in Memphis. I, to me, this stretch is the best that I can ever remember him playing. I know he was really good in Memphis. Yeah. The, the bubble Mike Conley, it was like, he had, he had to compensate for the fact that Boyan wasn't there. And so there was something different being asked of him and he stepped up and like, he did what he was supposed to with in that situation. And so if you're looking for that kind of success to carry over, it probably wouldn't have because Boyan's back and healthy now, but now the Conley that everyone wanted and credit to that, that incompetent front office that we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> credit to them because, you know, Quinn and the front office, like they saw this, they knew what they could get from Mike Conley and everyone last season from within the jazz organization was like, don't worry about Mike. It's going to be fine. It's going to work. And he just needed like a year to get used to it. And now yeah. he's very arguably one, the best player on the team. Like, it, he, he's totally in the conversation he's yeah, to me he's had the best season yeah i mean donovan's been really really good lately but and rudy's been yeah but he's he's had the best season but yeah dude it's not but you forget that people are these guys are people and like these <laughs> yeah. changes are like real human changes i mean i imagine your move from philly to salt lake had like some getting used to i mean for me i've had some big ones too across the country and I don't know, that every or whatever's going on. What I always remember in like 
look, we don't have too many fond memories of Carlos Boozer as a jazz player, although he was really good for a little bit. Um, but I do remember like one season after he was really good in the playoffs against Houston, he came back and he kind of sucked to start. And then it came out that he was like getting a divorce and it's like, well, I don't, that probably wasn't everything, but probably wouldn't make it any easier. And I just remember at that time thinking like, oh yeah, this is a, he's a person and like stuff's going on in his life. And I mean, if anything, we've learned he's more of a complicated person than we thought. And uh, yeah, I'm not, that's the last time I'll ever compare Mike Conley to Carlos Boozer. But. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really good compare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, to that point too, it's not like it's not like Mike Conley had been traded a few times in his career. Like he lived in Memphis. He was he totally like immersed himself in that community. He was such a part of it, and it was really emotional for him to leave. And you know, bring his wife and his kids to like, that's a, a really big deal and such a life change after more than a decade being in Memphis. And so I can't imagine what that kind of a move was like and try and like teammates that like you're coming in the last time you joined a team, you were, you were the kid and now you're coming in and you're the old guy. And that's a completely different dynamic when you join a team. And so, I mean, credit to him that it only took him a year. Totally. 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 It's, it's, it's just been so fun. I feel like- That was a nice moment that we just had there all together. I, 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 I feel like we totally crushed that one second of response. <laughs> it's been fun to see, I, for me, just his chemistry with everyone um, and his own flow. But I've loved to see like certain things that he does now with Rudy and Mark is by far the biggest Rudy guy I know, but um, it's just like so fun when someone gets an awesome connection with Rudy and he's kind of mimicked Joe Ingalls in the pick and roll where he does the Joe Ingalls delayed layup too, which has been really fun. Um, So I don't know. I think just his, his new chemistry with Rudy has been awesome. And And I feel like him and really everyone, Joe, Jordan, Royce, are just owning their role on the jazz. Yeah. And we haven't talked about, so maybe we'll just throw these two together real quick and we'll burn through the the rest faster. Because I think one of your questions was where are the jazz defensively? I think we kind of answered that. For one, they're number two in the league um, at the moment. They're very good. (laughs) They're very good. Um, Can they maintain a fast-paced offense they showed in the preseason? I mean, I think the answer is yes. Much uh, I think the <laughs> yeah. cool thing is that they've been able to win with more varied offensive kind of like themes in the last few games, which has been fun. But uh, to your questions, like, will Joe Ingles be able to operate effectively off the bench? I mean, he's been awesome. And I've said my favorite like annual jazz tradition is that jazz fans will want to bury Joe Ingles after like two games. And then he'll just remind everybody that he's actually awesome and just doing fine. And Granted, he's starting now, but I think he had he was doing great off the bench before. Um, I think, and, and that's I think that's credit to Derek Favors too. I, I was going to say, yeah, that too. yeah, the fact Which that is, he, he has someone there that he's already comfortable with. They come into the game together, and it's basically like the starting unit from two years ago when he when they come into the game. And so that's a completely different look than him milling around with Tony Bradley. Dude, he's made a huge difference. My my theory is that he like they really missed him just team chemistry wise too because he also just seems like a like Mike Conley. Like who doesn't like Derek Favors? Like yeah. doesn't everybody just like Derek Favors? Well, and Favors has had a couple of bad games. The last uh, I think, yeah, the last game uh, was not great against the Sixers. Um, but again, the chemistry factor and like what he adds, like whether or not he has a bad game, it's not going to be as bad as Tony Bradley's bad game. And That's so a good point. it's an, it's an upgrade. Uh, yeah. yeah. I also like just from he, a team confidence standpoint, right? I mean, yeah. people just trust him. Totally. Oh, I, I also think like first quarter D faves versus second half D faves had a pretty good shift too. Right. I've, ben Simmons was cooking him early, but. So was Dwight Howard. That uh, That's true. <laughs> that was so annoying. Um, oh, man. When when Rudy blocked him at the end of the game, uh, th- that was the most cathartic part of that whole game for me, probably just because Dwight Howard's 
so freaking annoying. Um, and uh, we'd be remiss we if we didn't at least comment on whatever the hell he was doing with his hair, the the longhorn. I think Logan Cox on Twitter said something like he went to the barber and asked for the the longhorn or something like that. Anyways. Um. It looked like croissants to me. I liked it. <laughs> oh, that's a little, that's a little yummier. Yeah, um, I liked it. it made me, it made me want a okay. pastry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a way to take the positive view nice. of that. Um, well, what about the, who from the end of the bench will take a leap this year is your thing. I mean, part of the problem is problem is not a problem, but it's just that Jordan Clarkson has taken yet another leap as we've discussed. Joe and Derek have, have really stabilized the bench and, but I mean, I think everybody that I'm looking at right now, including myself, is a Mieone fan. Am I right? Am I? Yeah, is that a love Mieone. I think uh, there's a lot of people that don't like George Niang, but the things that. Oh, we does, love George Niang on this. This, is a, this, there. Is, a well, this is a George Niang fan pod. This is Team George Niang all the way through. <laughs> but here's the thing about it, though, is that he, he started off this season shooting bad, but I thought he was moving pretty good. And and before yeah. he started shooting well, I was like, dude, people are hating on George, but he's he's playing good. And that lately he's been awesome. Like yeah. he's got this little old man backyard hook shot game that like came out of nowhere. And I like yeah, that. He's not the most graceful guy. It's not gonna look good, but uh he he's been way better defensively than anybody is giving him credit for. He's doing a really good job. He did a good job actually in the uh in the bubble. He had a few possessions against Paul Millsap that are just at the top of my mind where uh, Millsap wasn't getting anything and it was because of George Niang. And so I think that he deserves more credit than he gets and he's impressed me this season. And so is Mia Yoni. Uh, plus I just like, I loved developing guys that I'm nerdy about that kind of stuff. So I, I get way more excited when like Juwan Morgan or Mia Oni are like, oh, give me Jarrell Brantley. I want more Jarrell Brantley minutes. This is we're, Doug, we're so Doug's, waiting for it. <laughs> Doug wants Jarrell Brantley minutes so bad. I love Juwan Morgan. I was bummed he cut his hair, frankly. I love the flat top. 100%. 100%. It was horrible the, choice. Maybe the best hairdo in the NBA. Plus, he just has such a nice looking face. He just like, looks so nice. He's a sweet boy. With the, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I love those guys. Um, Mia is great. George, you saying George and Paul Millsap guarding each other. I mean, that that's like my all time, like two jazz dudes that I just want to like be playing in my backyard together. Like, like you just want to bro out with them. Yeah. I want yeah. to bro out with those guys. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch of likable dudes. Mia only just looks, looks every bit the part to me and he just totally makes sense out there. And when he's out there, he just defends so well, he rebounds well, he passes well, and he hasn't shot it great this year, but the shot looks good to me. And it's just like, been a small sample i think i think i mean with guys that play like those kinds of minutes even when they don't shoot well it doesn't make me i don't care i don't care when yeah. those guys don't shoot well they can miss shots but if they're gonna go out and Mieoni's gonna get like in a sitting stance every time that he gets on defense i just like get so excited i'm like yeah man get down get down oh, <laughs> it's awesome he's like the the anti-jimmer for debt which i just have to throw out this <laughs> Jimmer Fredette for his entire basketball career has been in a defensive stance for less than three seconds. I mean, he just lives in that stance. Yeah. So, um, all right. So your last two things on here are the big ticket questions, which can the jazz hang with the best in the West and can they make a deep playoff push? I mean, really we're just waiting to see him play the Lakers and, honestly, I want the jazz to win a championship. I would love, I, I the Lakers are like, it's like, I hate the Lakers uh, probably more than any other institution, but it's a bummer that Anthony Davis got hurt. I hope that he comes back. I want the jazz to beat him with him. Um, what's your, I mean, I, I think we all, I mean, can they hang with the best in the West? I think the answer is definitively yes at this point, but yeah. Can uh, they beat I, them? Can they make a deep playoff push? We've kind of, kind of been I saying know. it. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to see, but I think that what I would say is I would caution jazz fans, um, because this happens with every fan base every single year, no matter what the case with the season, how the playoffs happen, everything. An important player gets injured and then everyone's like, well, it doesn't count because like, you know, Anthony Davis wasn't playing. Hey, there's going to be an important player get injured every single year. And if you 
are the team that beats that player or beats the team with the injured player good you were supposed to beat them and so i don't the idea that like oh well you know they beat the lakers but it was without anthony davis well the i don't know there how many times have people lost players in the playoffs in the finals a player gets injured you know and then yeah. they win or a player gets injured and then that's the reason that the team loses that's what happens that's just how this happens and so it's not like that ever puts an asterisk on anything and so if the jazz beat the lakers without anthony davis it's worth just as many in the win column as if he was on the floor to be clear we will take it <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on an extended leave of absence from work. I might just be recording a live stream of the podcast for like three weeks to just like me laying around on the ground, like muttering stuff. I mean, <laughs> we're going to write like a living will bef- before this, just to make sure everything's clear, just on the other side, everything's disposed of correctly. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I said going into the bubble, like the only re- way it would be an asterisk championship for me is if the Lakers or the Rockets won. So it turns out that, that it was one, um, but, but no, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I just would be fun to see them match up now with Anthony Davis. I mean, it sounds like he'll be back this season, but I've, I've seen enough that it, like the jazz would go play the Lakers tomorrow. And if they lost by 15, I, I'm still going to believe that in a seven game series, they would give them a really good run for it. Um, yeah. I just think they've shown that up until this point. Those are Doug, you're planning your, the parade at this point aren't you i mean oh yeah i mean like when are we going back to utah in june that's my question he's he's playing the parade from oregon to utah it's 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 the oregon trail actually you're gonna go through donner pass no (laughs) (laughs) my thing that's always rough is I mean, have the Jazz played a good team yet? No, just kidding. I feel like that's what everyone keeps saying. Yeah, Um, that's that's kind of the thing that I'm talking about. It's like, oh, they beat the Sixers, but the Sixers didn't have Joel. No, Joel indeed. Who cares? They won. And then, you know, the playoffs come around, and then there's going to be players that are injured and missing from teams in the playoffs too, and the Jazz are still going to have to beat them whether or not those players are there. And every win in the playoffs also counts for one win. So jumping into the Sarah Todd, and I, I wrote down the Sarah Toddcast. Has anyone ever said that? Sarah uh, no, Todd I was podcast? recently on the Toddcast podcast, which is a podcast of two dudes who are not named Todd that just interview people named Todd. Really? <laughs> And I was the first and only female Todd that they've had on. And uh, I'm really proud of that. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Well, this is our version of the Sarah Toddcast. Yeah. Um, Lightning round here. So let's let's get it. With us, you're the only Todd that we're willing to interview. That's the difference between the two podcasts. Yeah, I am. (laughs) All right. So um, what local media people have you... I'm um, sorry. What local media people have been most helpful? Uh, the oh, man, the jazz like main contingent of media people is so great. Uh, I would say that we're all friends and I'm really close with Eric Walden and his wife. We have weekly dinners together <laughs> and uh, me and Tony Jones are very close also. And I mean, we all hang out. Uh, it's, it's not like we're competitors and we see each other like that. Like we really love each other and we all get along and we hang out and talk to each other, like on non-game days. And uh, I love them a lot. I'm really happy about just the people that have, are in the media contingency here. That's awesome. I love that so much. There, <laughs> it really is a fun one. Like Eric's awesome. Tony's awesome. They're all awesome. Andy's great. I mean, yeah. I'm not, saying this to exclude anybody because uh it's fun to have a team when you like like the team and they're actually people who you know really take the job seriously and now there's so many good like and uh chris and kenny is super sweet and she's great too yeah like i mean with the exception of matt harpering the whole no just kidding i mean and he's he's fine you appreciate him more when you watch like other teams on league pass um I mean, Ryan Miller, Ben Anderson, that they're all amazing. I love them all. I love it. All right. Um, list of players you miss covering. 
Oh, well, just because I thought of it the other night, Mike Scott, uh, that, that's, that is the realest dude I've ever covered. He is, he is great. And who else did I really enjoy cover? You know what? I'll say this. The person that was nicest to me and was the first person to treat me like a human and not like the media enemy was David Lee, uh, with the Warriors. He was, he was so generous and nice to me and with his time and his answers. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. It really meant a lot to me when I was young and coming up. That's awesome. Okay. Favorite local Utah food. Well, I moved here uh, in December of 2019, was on the road very heavily for two and a half months, and then COVID came into my world. And so I really, I mean, I've only been inside two restaurants in Utah, Ah. and I've lived here more than a year. So, which ones? (laughs) uh, And so, yeah, I'll shout out um, the Green Pig Pub, I think is the name there's like a burger that's like the colorado burger i think and it's got cream cheese on it and it's super delicious sounds amazing yeah mark ever been there i don't think so i'm trying to think where it is i feel like 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 the last few times we've been back to salt lake there are like 500 new restaurants i've been to pig in a jelly jar there's a pig in it it's a pig (laughs) name yeah that's not it okay boom next question um best show you've watched since the onset of the pandemic or book that you've read um i am currently reading the dark tower series by stephen king and uh, i think for anybody that might listen to this that has read that uh i'm very deep into it and i still don't know what's going on and i think that is true for everyone so don't know don't know if it's good don't know how it's going to end have no idea it's just an acid dream the whole time and i accidentally watched because i don't watch movies but i accidentally watched one the other day on amazon called the lie it has peter sarsgaard and that chick that was the main person in the show the killing this is, this is how conversations go with me. It's like, I've got half the information, all the, um, and I thought it was a show, which is why I started watching it. And then once I got like an hour in, I was like, oh, well, I'm already committed to this while I'll finish it. And it was pretty good. It has a, it has a twist that I very much enjoyed. It's called The Lie. The Lie. On Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Okay, tell us about your previous floor above neighbor. No, I I hate him and I hope that he breaks both of his legs. <laughs> what about your do Was you that a poll from another now? podcast, Mark? I just saw that on uh, um a few things on Twitter. Yeah, he was horrible and I don't like him and I don't want to talk about him and now I'm on the top floor baby, no neighbors. <laughs> We're all trying to get to the top floor. Dude, okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was so fun. You just put our pockets on the top floor by being yeah. here. We used <laughs> yeah. to have these neighbors above us. They were so annoying. They were called hitting the high notes. It's Hootran and Lo- no, I'm just kidding. I love those guys. But uh, no, you 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 put it. You make us a top floor podcast. Thanks so much, Sarah. No problem. Uh, at all. Yeah, thank you. It's nice we'll, to meet we'll, you. We'll, we'll try to do this again because it was so so fun. Really appreciate hey, it. I'll come on anytime. I'll make time for it. You're awesome. Oh, thanks. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys. Right. See ya. See ya. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.